I heard my dad in my background and conviction in my soul. Take that cough drop out, boy. Amen. Praise God. Praise God for what He's done already this morning. I, I felt Him in our worship. I've needed it all week long. Amen. Well, this is the last message of the book of Galatians. And we're going to wrap up where we started with the Gospel. If you have your Bibles, turn to Galatians chapter 6. Galatians chapter 6, starting in verse 11. It's the end of this letter. I mean, I'm going to pray. Y'all pray with me and for me that we get through the remainder of this service that my voice holds out. Lord, we come to You uh, today in thankful hearts, Lord, in praise and worship and adoration, Lord, for You are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Lord, I know that You are the great physician and that You can heal, O God, those who are sick, Lord, even me. Lord, I ask that You take this vessel, Lord, of clay that, that You have molded, that You have placed, Lord, in, in Your kingdom, Lord, and I ask that You move upon me, Lord. Give me a fresh anointing, Lord. Stay my voice so that I can say what You have to say to us today, Lord. I ask that You take this message and You preach a better one than I've prepared, Lord, for I need you in this. Lord, I ask this in your name. Amen. Galatians chapter 6, starting in verse 11, says, See with what large letters I am writing to you with my own hand, those who desire to make a good showing in the flesh try to compel you to be circumcised simply so that you will not be persecuted for the cross of Christ. For those who are circumcised do not even keep the law themselves, but they desire to have you circumcised so that they may boast in your flesh. But may it never be that I would boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ through which the world has been crucified with to me and I to the world. For neither is circumcision anything nor uncircumcision, but a new Creation. I'm going to read that one again. But neither is circumcision anything nor uncircumcision, but a new creation. And those who will walk by this rule, peace and mercy be upon them and upon the Israel of God. For now on, let no one cause trouble for me, for I bear on my body the brand marks of Jesus. In verse 18, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you in spirit, brethren. Amen. Thank you for standing. Paul, if you remember, and we're going to wrap up the whole letter uh, this morning, started off uh, the churches in Galatia. If you read through the book of Acts, you get all of the mission trips of Paul, and he establishes these churches in the region of Galatia. How many remembers that that's not just one specific place, but it'd be like saying sin law around here. It's, it's a, a stretch of many churches. And he says that he wasn't even planning on going to the region of Galatia, but it was from an illness in his body that, that he was in that place and God 
used that time in His providence to bring about the birth of these churches. And He, he establishes these churches. He, he does His mission trip. And He goes off and He gets word that after Paul leaves, and you can see that this is kind of a, kind of a common occurrence for Paul, is Paul goes in, God moves, He preaches, people become saved, they establish a church, he stays there long enough to raise up a pastor. He places a pastor in the church and he moves on because Paul is a church planner. He is an apostle of Christ. He is a missionary at heart on mission. That is his life, right? We see through his epistles, and I so, apologize, some of y'all got some of this this morning in Sunday school, the ones that were in with us. Uh, through his epistles, he even says bold statements like, I can't preach to anybody anymore. I've preached to everybody. I gotta go. I have to go to Spain. I'm gonna come see you in Rome because I haven't been able to see you in Rome. I want to see you in Rome, but whenever I leave Rome, I'm going to Spain because there's people up there that haven't been preached to yet. That was Paul's heart. Was mission. Was evangelism. Was that all people, all tribes, all tongues, all nations knew Jesus Christ. And we know the life of Paul ended in Rome. He never made it to Spain. But praise God that Paul isn't the only one that can spread the gospel. That people in Spain know about Christ. People here know about Christ. Thank God that it's not just me and my burden that, that God moves on. That I praise God that He uses me, that He uses us. But listen, don't become so hot-headed and so haughty to think that once you're gone, somebody isn't going to be raised up in the position that you're in. This thing is going to keep going and keep going and keep going. And praise God. For every generation that is born, there's a move of God. For every generation that comes, there's somebody who stands up in the boldness of the Spirit and proclaims Christ and people are saved. And the Word of God says that that's going to happen for every generation until it's over. There isn't a generation that... that that is raised up, that God doesn't desire to move in. And we can say, praise God for that. Paul's heart <clears throat> was for the gospel. And that's my uh, message today, is what is the most important thing? Because for the Apostle Paul, the most important thing was that people knew Christ, and Christ knew them. That, that was the most important thing for Paul. Whenever he would go into a new place, he said, I was all things to all people. If I was with my Jewish folk, I, I acted like a Jew. If I was with my Gentiles, I acted like a Gentile. That doesn't mean to say that Paul was pretending to be something, but he, he reached people in, in their place. And we have liberty in Christ uh, to, to do that. That's really all of Galatians. Like you don't have to, you don't have to be bound by the law of Christ Freed us for freedom's sake, right? We, we understand that. But Paul went in and, and he said, I, I, I don't desire to know anything about you, right? That's what he said, except for Christ and Him crucified. Let's get that established. Let's get everything under the blood. And then I'm more than happy to, to build a relationship with you. And that's what we need to do as a church is to build relationships with people based on Christ and Christ alone. So what's the most important thing? The thing that Paul starts this letter with is the thing that he ends this letter with. It's the cross of Christ. And remember, Paul left, right? He established a church. He left. 
and Judaizers come in. And these Judaizers said, you believe in Jesus, we believe in Jesus also, but in order to be truly saved, in order to be truly uh, committed and, and into this eternal kingdom, you have, to, you have to be circumcised. You have to fall under the ceremonial law and, and the, the law of, of the Judaizers. And, and Paul writes this strong letter, and, and he says, that's not, that's not the case. We've, we've been saved from, uh, from the bondage of sin, and we've been saved from the bondage of, of a religious system built by man's traditions. And we went through and said that not all traditions are bad, but that traditions should never take the place of Scripture, right? That traditions are good up until the point to where they go against Scripture, and then we need to abandon our presuppositions and, and do what the Scripture says, right? Praise God that Christ has been the fulfillment of the law because the Word of God tells us what? I can't keep the law. If it was up for me to keep the law, I am not going to make it. But Christ was born in a manger. We're going into that season. But He didn't stay in the manger. He grew in likeness of man, in wisdom, in relationship. And He walked a life. He lived that life, that perfect life that I couldn't live. All to get to a point of death on a cross, dying a death that I deserved so that I could live in Him. That's the freedom that we're talking about. It cost, it cost Christ everything. He, he laid His life down for us, calling us friends when we were the ones. You said, I would be different. I'm going to let that sit. How many has ever said that? I know I did growing up, reading through the Gospels. It get, it's getting to the crucifixion. And, and you know, one day people are screaming, Hosanna. The next day they're screaming, crucify, crucify, let His blood. This is, listen to what these people said. Let His blood be upon us and upon our children. Same people. What, and you read that and you're like, huh, I'd never do that. Right? I, I wouldn't do that. I'd be, I'd be with, their, with the disciples, but then you read and the disciples aren't there. They've, they've ran. Peter's following a far off just enough to do what Christ said He's going to do and deny Him three times. The only one you see at the cross is John. And he's helpless. He can't do anything. And I, re I remember after salvation, because it's just pride that says you would do something different. We're all humans. And mob mentality is a crazy thing. Just look in the world. After salvation, I remember being broken reading through this crucifixion story again for Easter, because that's what we do, right? And, and looking at that scene and realizing where I would be. I would be the one screaming, crucify Him. Give us Barabbas. Crucify Him. Be, be done with Him. Be away with Him. Because what He did was He upset the norm of life. But ladies and gentlemen, that's what we need as a church, we need to upset, not in ourselves, not in a mean spirit, everything in love. The offensive part is the Word of God. But the world needs to hear the offense of the Gospel. They need to hear the Gospel of Christ. It's only good news because we have really bad news. Here's the problem. 
None of us are righteous. None, none of us are righteous. The best thing I can do is present before a righteous God filthy rags. That's the best thing I can do. But the good news is, is there's, one, there's one that is righteous. And He's died for us. That's what Paul preached. That's what we aim to preach. But listen, Paul didn't just preach in the synagogues, in the streets, Christ. He lived it. He lived it. And that's what we must do as a church, as individuals and as a church body in themselves, is we must be about the most important thing. And the most important thing for the church is to be a witness to this lost and dying world. To be an evangelist for this world. To bring in those. Christ said, I need laborers. The, the fields are ripe. The fields are ready. The, the people are there. But I need laborers. In the life of a Christian, what, what we do and what we say matter. They matter. Our, our lives are marked by words and actions. You would be a liar if you said it was anything different. Our reputations are marked by what we say and what we do. A point in case. Take, I'll pick on me. I'll use me as an example. I don't want to make anybody mad. But if I had a reputation of not following through with my word, you probably wouldn't come to me for help. Right? If, if Scott was somebody who said he would do something, but then didn't follow through, it wouldn't take very long, Brother Levi, before you would go somebody else. Because when people are coming for help, I need help. I'm not going to go to somebody who, who, who is going to say they're going to do something, but then there's no action. I'm going to go to that person that I, I need help, and that person is going to say yes and amen, and then they're going to follow through. Listen, and you're going to pray for somebody that does nobody any good. How many has ever done that? Been at Walmart or somewhere, and you're embarrassed that because somebody's come to you, and they say, I'm sick, or my family, this one's doing bad, this, my kids, and, and we just say, oh, I'm going to pray for you. And some of us may go home and pray, but why not put that prayer into action? Why not do it right there? Are we afraid that somebody's going to see? I hope somebody sees. Are we afraid that somebody's going to say you can't do that? Well, bring on the persecution. See, that's what Paul, that's Paul's life. And you say, how can I live up to the Apostle Paul? It's through the Spirit. It's the same way Paul was Paul. Take the Spirit out of Paul. All he is is Saul of Tarsus, the murderer. But put the Spirit in a man, and he's different. It's the same thing for us. Saul's number one thing was to persecute the church, to snuff out this, this Christ religion. He has one experience on one road, and it changes his life forever. He gets up, and the first thing out of his mouth is, what do you want me to do? Lord. See, there was somebody bigger than him. There was, he realized for the first time that there's, there's a bigger picture to all of this. There's somebody that's bigger than me. There's something more important than my ambitions and, and my plans. I need to be about the Father's business. 
What's the most important thing in your life? That's a question, and, and we would all have different answers. I realize we would. Some would say family. Some would say career. Some would say it depends on who you're talking to. But what is the most important thing in your life? Whatever that is, it's what you tend to talk about the most, if you're really honest. It's what you tend to plan your life around. It's what you tend to do with your time. It's the driving force. It's what you strive to do most. For someone whose career is the most important thing, they'll sacrifice time with friends and family. They'll sacrifice many things to grow their career. For someone whose who's most important thing is their family, they'll sacrifice in other areas to, to grow and be with the family. And there's nothing wrong with having a career. There's nothing wrong with, with wanting to be with family. I would even go as far as say that the Bible would command us to, to be about a family, to, to be in the family. The Bible would also tell us that whenever we do things, to do them as unto the Lord. That's including your work, your career. We should be the best employees that our bosses have. And you're like, what? Yeah, you should. Because that boss isn't your boss. The owner of that company isn't, isn't the one that's ordering over your life. It's Christ. We need to understand that. The most important thing in Paul's life and what he sought to share was the saving gospel of Jesus Christ. In Galatians uh, chapter 2 and chapter 3 and chapter 4 said salvation by faith alone and Christ alone to the glory of God alone. It's not to the glory of man. It's to the glory of God. To live a life such as this there must be a driving force that motivates you to do what you do, to say what you say. In Paul's life, just as it is in ours, this driving motivation, this force behind what was Paul is the words of Jesus as He ascended into heaven in Matthew 28, 19 and 20. It says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even until the end of the age. What's the most important thing in your life? The commission to go and tell the good news of Jesus it isn't just a commandment meant for the apostles. We, we, we understand that. He was talking to the disciples. He was talking to those who would soon be in that upper room for the day of Pentecost, who soon would come down and, and, and preach and tell and be persecuted and would die and a church would be established. But that wasn't just for them. as for us as well. This is the commandment. This is the means. Right? This, the Great Commission is the means in which we as believers keep the commandments of loving God with all that we have. With loving our fellow neighbor just as I love myself. The Pharisee come and ask 
Christ. What's the most important commandment, right? Jesus was supposed to be this really good rabbi and, and He was supposed to uh, know the Torah backwards and forwards and, and He had all the answers. That's what the Pharisees thought. They would come to Him with questions trying to trip Him up, but Jesus knew the heart of men and He knew when somebody was sincere when they wasn't, but no matter who it was, He still gave truth. He, he, still, he still operated in and under the conviction of the Spirit. He only did, He only said what the Father did and what the Father said. So this, this Pharisee comes and says, what's the, what's the greatest commandment? We got 613 of them. What, what's the greatest commandment? You tell me what that is, and that's what we'll do. But see, what they really wanted was whatever Jesus was going to say, they would say, no, I think this one is. They wanted to debate. They wanted to argue. They didn't want an answer. But what Jesus said was, He said, this is the greatest commandment. And He started with number one. Love your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your might. You can't really argue with that. There's a reason why it's number one. It was good enough for Moses. They surely wasn't going to go against Moses. So that would have been a decent answer. That would have been what we call in a debate uh, a close-ended answer. You can't rebut that. It's number one. You ask me what the greatest commandment is, I'm going to say it's the first one that God gave. Right? It's the greatest commandment. But then Jesus opens His mouth again and He says in the second, it's just like the first. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. And wrapped up in all of that, I'm paraphrasing, but wrapped up in all of that, he says, is the whole law. It's all of it. Paul is saying the same thing here. What is the Great Commission? It is the number one way that the church shows love to the world. If, if I knew that there's lost and dying folks outside of this building, if I knew that there could be lost and dying folks inside this building, is it more loving for me to appease them and to make them feel good or to tell them the truth. Penn, Penn Gillette from Penn and Teller, we've said this several times, but it is true. He's, he's a renowned atheist. He, he doesn't believe there is a God. He doesn't believe in, in any of that, but that's what he says. He says, if you are a Christian, if you do believe that there's a God and you don't stop every single person that you see and tell them the truth, you're not a real good Christian. He says, I don't believe in God, but if I did believe what you believed, everybody would have to know. Everybody would have to... If, if you knew that my soul... Right? This is still him speaking. If you knew that my soul was destined for hell unless I turned to your Christ, why, why do I go day in and day out, day in and day out without anybody telling me that? That's sad, isn't it? In other interviews, he has said that there has been people who have come. And there's been people who come in the wrong spirit, and there's been people who come in the right spirit. And, and I pray one day that the Lord does save him. What's the most important thing in your life? The outward cry of the Christian 
to repent and believe the gospel is the way we show our obedience to what God has commanded us. The church full of believers that genuinely care for the souls around them is the way we show a blind world the hope of salvation. There's some things that the gospel is, and there's some things that the gospel isn't. And we're going to look at just a few of those for a few moments. What's the most important thing in your life? I know I'll keep asking that. But I want that to ring true. I want it to ring true this morning. We have to be, we have to be a people that are after the hearts of the world. But we have to be a people that live and breathe and walk as Christ did. Because that's what we're supposed to be. So the gospel is first, it's pressing. It's a needed thing. It needs to happen right now. There, there is no time to wait. There is no, I'll talk to you in another day. When, the, when there's a door open, it needs to happen. First, let's just look in verse 11. Paul wrote to the churches personally. He says, the large letters, look what large letters I'm writing with. This tells us that he probably had a scribe that was writing most of his letters, but he would always end his letters with his own handwriting to, to prove that, hey, first, this is me, by the way, and, and also, it's important. I'm going to take time and I'm going to write to you. Large letters probably didn't refer to the length of the epistle. It's not real long. It's six chapters. But the size of the letters themselves, this helps us to see Paul and his humanity because we look at the Apostle Paul and we're like, that's the Apostle Paul. Lord, have mercy. How am I supposed to live up to a standard like that? But then all of a sudden we see the humanity in Paul. He, he's just a man, fallible and weak, right? Most probably he suffered from an illness of the eyes and, and had poor sight uh, as a result. So he, he literally had to write in large letters so he could see what he was writing. Galatians said that. We talked about that. The reason he was there is because he had an illness of his eyes. He even said, when I was there, you loved me so much that you would have gave me your own eyes. Right? So obviously there was something going on with that. He couldn't see. There wasn't, you know, you couldn't just go get glasses off of a stand somewhere. If you had poor eyesight, you were in a bind. And here's this man is going all over the known world preaching the gospel and he, he can't see real good. He prayed three times, the Bible said, and got the message back that my grace is sufficient in your weakness I am made strong, right? And that's, that's where he was at. So he's writing in large letters, but it's important. He wants them to know. It's particular. It's, it's particular. Paul addresses his answers to these issues uh, to a particular group. He's talking to the church, to believers. And, and, and when the problem comes up of the Judaizers, he, he speaks to uh, the Judaizers. Not all of Israel is Israel. So the Judaizers, they taught salvation by faith plus keeping the law. They sought to please men more than God. This is our text here. They sought to corrupt the gospel and they sought to make converts converts to a false religion. The next thing, the gospel is precise. It's particular and it's precise. The gospel isn't just anything I want it to be. 
It's, it's precise. And look in verse 14 and 15 with me. And we'll see exactly what Paul says right here. He says, but may it never be that I would boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world for neither is circumcision anything or uncircumcision but a new creation. He could have said anything right there. He talked about the cross. Because that is the Gospel. It's what Christ did on the cross that saves humanity. It's that substitutionary atonement. I know it's a big word, but He took on me. He died as if He was me so that I could live as if I'm Him. We changed. We exchanged lives that day. And it's a crazy thing to think about because I do not deserve that. None of us do. But yet He did it anyway. It's precise. Paul gloried in the cross because it is uh, <coughs> the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ on the cross that is the source of our righteousness and our acceptance in God. Christians honor and praise the cross because Christ's sacrifice there provided redemption and eternal life. And that's why it's the supreme symbol of the Gospel. Billy Graham said this, there are many things about the cross that I don't understand. But this one thing I know, it is the way of salvation and I'm coming by faith even though it may seem foolish and irrational and it may not seem the right thing to do and people may laugh at it. Yet God says that He has chosen the preaching of the cross to bring men to Himself. That's exactly what you see Paul doing. Christ and Him crucified. He's preaching the cross. cross the cross is the invitation to all and there are great benefits for all who come to it. That saying is true. Everybody is level at the foot of the cross. It doesn't matter who you are. It matters who was on the cross. But here are some of the benefits because it's personal. It's pressing. It's particular. It's precise. And it's personal. The benefits of the cross is peace. True inner peace. Peace with God because of reconciliation. Romans 8 and 1. There is no longer any condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Mercy. You receive peace and you receive mercy. Forgiveness for sin and judgment. Your sins are dealt with. They're washed away as far as the east is from the west. God, who can't forget anything, chooses to not see. Praise God. And lastly, the benefit is to all. It's to Gentile and Jew alike. The Israel of God. All who will believe. All who will come to Christ. He says, I will accept. All who come. Paul's appeal, it wasn't academic. He wasn't 
this theological scholar, even though he wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, he, he was a guy who lived a life in front of people. He was very smart. He was a theological scholar. But in his own testimony, he said, I'm the Hebrew of the Hebrews. I'm the Jew of the Jews. There's nobody more better than I am. There's nobody that knows God better. But I count it all as dumb for the sake of Christ. He gave it all up. Well, Levi, he, 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 he said, I could sit here and I could blow your minds with what I know, but I want to preach Jesus to you. So listen, as we close, for us who are scared, nervous, about talking to people about God, I want to talk to us for a second. Don't be. You don't have to be this big, falutin thing. You don't have to know words this big. All you have to do is be a willing vessel. Be a willing vessel. Just pray. God, use me. When you wake up in the morning, God, what do you have for me to do today? Use me today. Help me to spread your word. Help me to grow your kingdom. And what you're going to find is He doesn't ask you to do huge things. It's simple. Little things. And, and, and He builds up. So one day, you're put in front of somebody and He's already did a work. He's already fouled the ground. All He's asking is for you to open your mouth and you don't even have to know what to say. The Bible says the Spirit fills your mouth. Just speak. Just talk about God. Show love to your fellow person, your fellow man, your fellow woman. And the love that they see in your life, in your life will speak to them. That don't always show up the right way. They may ask you, what, why are you the way you are? And when you start talking about God, they, I don't have nothing to do with it. But that's not the ones we're after. We're after the ones that God's working for. Sow the seed. Water the land. God brings the increase. We have no idea what God's doing in the grand scheme of things. I can't see the future. Neither can you. All I can do is operate in the time that I have in the space that I have. And whatever I am put in front of, I want the most important thing to come out in my life. That's the Gospel of Christ. That's the Gospel. Listen, I've been saved since I was 17 years old. I need the Gospel. I need to be told what God did for me. You say, really? Yes. That's the most important thing I need in my life is the Gospel. It's what saved me. The Word of God says it's what's going to keep me. It's Christ. What is that good news? It's Jesus. He's the answer for the bad news. That's, that's, it's simple. It's simple. But I want us to have confidence this morning to know that if God puts you in a position to witness that He's already prepared the way, that He's already given you the power that you need, the gifts that you need, the words that you need. All He says is for you to put it in. Just put it in. Spend time with Him and He'll, he'll draw it out. He'll draw it out. May I stand this morning? These altars are open this morning. Lord, 
in this season of thankfulness, Lord, I, I come and I ask and to say thanks. Lord, for the ability to, to be used in Your kingdom. Lord, for we understand that we're nothing special, Lord, but it is You that's within us that, that makes us vessels of honor. Help us, O oh God, to see this. Lord, and to operate in Your kingdom as, as You see fit. Lord, to move when You say move, to speak when You say speak, to go when You say go. And as we just do life, Lord, to discern those opportunities, to see those that You are working in. Help us to be laborers. Help us to be good workers in Your field. Lord, I ask this in Your name. Amen.